Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. This is episode 50, and we're going to be talking about wrestling's unsung heroes. As always, I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. Joining us now, the star of the show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Jeremy, man, it's Bobby Blaze. The anti-mime is back. Oh, no. Man, I'm glad to be back. Yes, I am. And I'm here to entertain you. So what me do? Take you to a fucking movie? Take you to a movie and a dinner or what? Dinner and a movie? What? I don't know. But we're here to entertain people. The anti-mime is back, man. That's all I'm going to say. Because last week, I hope everyone enjoyed the interview with Dan DeBeast Severin right here on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. I had a good time doing the interview with Dan, and I hope all of our fans really enjoyed it as much as listening to it as much as I did doing it. But it's also good to be back live with you, my man, the professor, Jeremy Bill. Point this out again. You name me a professor. You were trained by the professor. So if anybody can make me a professor, it's Bobby Blaze. I, I said that in, in, in honor. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. an honor. That's a, that, you know, and I meant that because you always pull something out, professor. You always have some kind of knowledge, inside knowledge. It just comes natural to you. And, 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 we're, and we always say this. We're both fans of mm-hmm. the professional wrestling business, and we play off each other on that. Yeah, you earned that title, my friend. You yeah. earned it. Well, I just, well, next time I get a drunken, a drunken video from Jock <laughs> Samson telling me I'm not the professor, I just want to have my argument ready. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of which, I saw Jock, and and I have to say, he cut a hell of a promo on a show up in West Virginia yesterday. <laughs> uh, at the, uh, you got to consider where you're at. You're in West Virginia. Shout out to all my West Virginia uh, fans and listeners of the show. But Jock killed you all because everyone probably knows about the moth, man. But Jock, yesterday, he exposed the meth man. <laughs> and he he mistakenly, mistakenly, he thought he saw the meth man in Huntington, West Virginia last night. And it wasn't. It was it was WWE superstar, <laughs> Meth Rollins. <laughs> and man, you got to pop. I have to say, I pop for him. So, Jock, once again, I wasn't even going to mention you on your fucking show, but I do put you over on the show. But uh, they had a good uh, four little shows up there in West Virginia yesterday. And the Mothman was not to be seen but the math man uh, may have been in a crowd up there i'm not quite sure jeremy <laughs> that's that is too funny but you have an argument with jock that hey you can validate you are the professor bobby so um let's let's go ahead let's pay some bills real quick and tell yeah. everybody about your books pin me pay me have booth will travel that's my first book and uh, it's been out for a few years now it's done really really well it has over a hundred reviews and I really appreciate your views. But you can get that book at tinyurl.com backslash blazebook1. It's about life on the road. It's just my it's my memoir, man. It's, 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 it's just my book that I, I put together in my head because I lived the life, man. And, it, and it's done really, really well. And it does. It gives us a little bit of kickback. If you go through the tinyurls that I'm going to give out, we get a little bit of kickback for that through Amazon. And, and it doesn't cost you any extra to do that. The book number two is tinyurl.com dot com black backslash blaze book two and that's i kicked out on two the educational wrestler and both books are available on amazon as mentioned just go to those tiny urls blaze book one blaze book two and get either book and and help support the show because it's one of the ways we do try to pay the bills around here sometimes that's right all right so bobby before we get started do you have any shout outs this week yeah i have a few i want to give one out to sheila texas wife down there in the boiler room hopefully uh she's not down there in the boiler room but uh sheila keep getting better honey um I know my brother even gave me an update that uh, that she's doing better. Uh, I guess that's maybe from Facebook talk. I don't know because I'm not on there. But anyway, uh, good on you. Keep getting well. 
My next one uh, from the YouTube is um, Neil Goldring. Apparently, he's been commenting. He's, he's a new subscriber, which we always appreciate subscribers on our YouTube channel. Texas over taking care of that. You take care of it. Send me stuff. Neil Goldring has apparently liked about 50 different things and made all positive comments. I like hearing that. And my next one, this is my, my comment to this. is This is also from um, YouTube. I'm going to read this because this really made my day because I actually remember this happening. But it's from Erictonio. I guess you said Swab is how you say his last name. But anyway, he, he posted this on the uh, YouTube page. And it says, Bobby, I saw you in March of 1997 in Mishawa, Japan, when I was stationed there in the Air Force. I believe you wrestled Sensei Jensei Hokushi that night. I remember you being pleasantly surprised there were some, American, some Americans in the audience. And, man, I popped for that when I got that. And I know you send me some, and Tex will send me some of those comments, and I do appreciate them. Man, I do remember that night because I'd been over in Japan probably darn near two and a half, three weeks, and I, I got through wrestling in some hot-ass gym, you know, and you're just looking up, and you see someone – and you make eye contact with them, and I was like, fuck, that, that guy has to be an American. And, and, and you know how I knew he was American, Jeremy? How's that? He had on a fucking United States Air Force uh, uniform. Well, that's, that's a giveaway. <laughs> that's a little bit of yeah. a giveaway. Yeah. It, was two of them. it was him and his friend, and they had come over off the base there. We was out down south that tour, actually, south, south of Japan. Uh, Oka usually you know, performed north of Tokyo, but we was way down south, and that's why I say it's hot. And Anyway, man, it was a really good deal to see someone from you know, the United States. And, and with that said, my, my last shout-out. So thank you, Eric. Eric Tonio, I guess is how you say it. Whether he listens to the show, I don't know, but I'm glad he's listening to the YouTube or watching the YouTube channel. But uh, I want to give a shout-out to the United States Air Force and the services. You know, I've got a son as a soldier. Uh, he was in the Marines for a while, so a shout-out to all you Navy people, Air Force, Coast Guard, everyone. Thank you very much, you know, uh, because we've got our freedom that we can come on here and do our podcast. Thank a veteran, you know, and I'll go into that, I'm sure, on Veterans Day and other days as well. But but always be thankful for that. So that's, that's my shout-outs. How about you, Jeremy? Well, you know, I'm actually not prepared for shout-outs this week. I am going to follow your sentiment on thanking the veterans of this country. Uh, you know, my, my dad and my grandfather and my mom's dad all served in the military. You know, my dad was in Vietnam, and I think those kids did more for us and our freedom currently, and they they bore the brunt of the shit that we didn't have to. I agree so, 100%. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm close to several. I have lost a couple friends for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I know I'm a little bit older than you, Jeremy, but I'm in between that age of the gentlemen and the men and women that served in Vietnam. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just going to say, oh. I've become friends with so many of the Vietnam veterans uh, through the years, and I'm thankful for that. And, uh, uh, man, I'm with you. We're, we're like right on the tail end of that, and I think they took... I don't know. I just got a special connection to a lot of Vietnam veterans. So, so thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Mm, not at all. Not at all. You know, I was just, you know, it's it's on my mind right now because we're we're still dealing with putting my dad and my grandparents actually. In, they're both uh, they're all cremated, but we're going to be burying them all at the veterans uh, memorial here in the next month or so. So I just it's it's up front in my mind right now. So that's why I was bringing that up. So uh, you know, thank you everybody who uh, who served. And that's yeah, that's, thank where, you. that's where I'm going to leave that at. Okay, good deal. Let me take it up a notch. How about that? That sounds good. Episode fifty. Damn right. Episode fifty. Who would have thought? Right. I know. 
<laughs> Where can they find you at on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or what's going on with that? Then we'll get into our wrestling's unsung heroes. Oh, well, on Facebook, you can find us just by searching Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. We have a group and a page. Come on in and join. They're, they're picking up some activity. We got some indie wrestlers that come in and post their promos there. A lot of good people that just come in and check. You know, we post our updates there. I do want to start doing more with it, so I'm working on that. Find me on Twitter. You go to at the Geekish Cast, and then if you want to find our joint account, you go at Bell to Bell Blaze, isn't it? Yep, that's it. At Bell to Bell okay. Blaze, and okay. then Bobby, if they want to find you on Twitter, I'm at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, and that is my only social media outlet that I'm currently using. I do follow the YouTube channel, which I appreciate, and I do follow the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast channel on Twitter. I do follow Jeremy. I'm not on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I just don't have time, folks. Mm-hmm. I get caught up in it. Jeremy and I speak a little bit offline. That's just my deal. Twitter works for me. But, Jeremy, we had a little bit of discussion. They're almost pissing me off with the fucking way they changed their their pages or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I don't anyway, like that new layout. Yeah. The layout. That's why I was going to say thank you. I couldn't think of the word layout. But, yeah, find me at BobbyBlaze744. Follow me. Please follow me there. Uh, have your friends do the same. Man, I tell you what, they had so many bots on there, too. I lost about 500 followers in the last week, um, and I guess they just were bots, to be honest with you, because I do. I'm very active on Twitter, and I, and I love using Twitter, but the layout, man, has kind of got me the last couple of days. But I'm going to hang in there with it because I love my Twitter. So, Oh, anyway. yeah, absolutely. And also, guys, you can find our YouTube page by going to tinyurl.com slash bb. B video, is it BBB? I think that might be it. Yeah, it's uh, BBBB, four Bs. Well, you set it up. Yeah, I did, but <laughs> but I, I you know I've fallen to, I've fallen asleep a time or two since then, you know. Okay, well I'm I've probably slept and drank since then, but uh-huh. anyway, well uh, it's <laughs> tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. But I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking the prime. That's because it. on Prime, it is BB Drive Prime, so two Bs on that one. So not to confuse the two, but you can find us on YouTube at com backslash video. And since we already said it, if you like Amazon, try Amazon Prime. I love it. You can get a 30-day free trial. I save on shipping alone by being a Prime member. And I love the streaming. You can use that as tidyurl.com backslash BB try prime and the show gets a little bit of kickback from that and we'd appreciate it. it's not going to cost you any extra and uh, uh jeremy you tell a little bit about prime because i know you like it because you do a lot of streaming and you got some really good shows you enjoy off of there oh yeah i, I you know i've been in, i've been off of cable for 10 years now i think um you know just as streaming was coming in i got tired of paying 150 dollars a month to watch infomercials so i just stopped doing it Yep. Um, I have been a Prime member since 2012 or 2013, if I remember correctly. They have some of my absolute favorite TV shows of all time. They have some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, they have music content that is outstanding. And right now, you can get it free. You can try it out free for 30 days. 
and you get the free shipping, you get the free streaming. It's it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, you can get on there, you can check out one of my favorite shows called Corner Gas. They've got a lot of old school classic wrestling content you can get through there. Uh, you know, one of some of my favorite movies of all time. I think Barbarossa has just been free up there for like the last month. Yep, yeah. I watched it a while back. And check this out: this came out last week. I've actually looked for this movie. Mm-hmm. Man, it's 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 from 1992. It's uh, Harvey Keitel in Bad Lieutenant. I'm not talking about the one with Nick Cage and and Eva Mendez, the uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of New Orleans, with another good movie. But man, Prime last week put on her. I watched it last Friday. And and I kid you not, man, it's called Bad Lieutenant, and he's just a fucking crazy. It's Harvey Keitel. He's a crazy New York uh, cop, and it's just it's 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 bizarre. This, he he is basically goes crazy, man, uh, with the gambling and the drugs, and the, it's just a typical. No, I won't say typical. Atypical life of a of a, a bad cop in New York, but he's bad lieutenant. I love that movie. That's the way I found Barbarossa. Like you said, about a month ago, I think I texted you to tell you, you're not going to believe what I'm doing on a Sunday afternoon uh, after me and you recorded. I think it was. I was like, fucking Barbarossa's on here, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, same thing with Bad Lieutenant. That was like last Thursday or so. I was like, oh shit. That's on air. So finally, Friday night, I mean, it's only out a day or two, and I was like, I've got to watch it. I've looked for it before uh, on, on different things, you know, and Prime released it. Anyway, I'm not saying it's a classic movie, but if, if, if you're into that kind of thing, I really dig that movie, man. And, and I got to watch it because I'm with you. I have not... I have not had cable for probably 10 years, and I haven't had any uh, direct TV for probably five years. I stream YouTube, Prime, Netflix. I stream, you yep. know. So, hey, Prime's the way to go, man. So back to that. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, everybody, good if you aren't currently and you want to try it out, go to our Prime link. Try out Prime. It's definitely worth the time. All right. Bobby, let's get this show on All the right. road, shall we? Yes, we should, because we've already spent about 15 minutes just kind of selling our ads you know and all that and hey every little penny counts guys believe me mm-hmm. so we appreciate that very much we got our shout outs out of the way let's go to our unsung heroes let's start with and again let me mention this real quickly Tex sent this in apparently him and his friend Ashley Moss was talking hanging out talking about some old school wrestling decided to say you know what here's a suggestion on the uh, Bell to Bell Blaze podcast on the Twitter uh, we want to do some unsung heroes so a lot of these names and people were given to a suggestion wise by Tex and his friend Ashley, so we'll give them a shout out. Um, and then we kind of have, you know, some personal stories and this and that. The first one he put up there, though, was um, pretty cool. I thought all of them are pretty cool. And, and so we're just talking about, uh, and you'll see the graphic this week. I kind of thought that was cool, too, because one of my favorite wrestlers is on the graphic. But the background of the fans, you know, cheering. Anyway, uh, Tim Woods, the man who saved wrestling, as Tex put it, uh, you know, he survived the plane crash, the one that involved Ric Flair. Uh, I guess he moved around from hot to from a different hospital to another hospital after he was severely injured, and uh, he done that to, to keep kayfabe, man. That you know, a baby face and a heel are traveling together. Back in the day, you just didn't do that. Instead of you know exposing the business or anything like that, he he switched hospitals so there wasn't a baby face and the heel well, uh, in the same hospital or caught caught together. My, uh, he, help he, me out there, Jerry. well. How so according according to Ric Flair's book, to be the man. Yeah. What Tim Wood did, uh, what Tim Wood did was, or Tim Woods did, he gave them his actual birth name when the reporters started snooping around. Okay. So that way they wouldn't know that he was Mr. Wrestling or Tim Woods. He used his actual birth name. Then, with a broken back or a nearly broken back, he went and wrestled a match two weeks later. Mm. So nobody could accuse him of having been injured in that in that uh, flight. Wow. 
So it's Ric Flair who actually said that he is he is the man who saved pro wrestling. Nice. Nice. And that's why he's an unsung hero. Yep. (laughs) All right, man. Well, thank you, Mr. Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling Number One, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Well, this next one, I'm going to throw this one out. One of my all-time favorites, man, Sputnik Monroe. Man, Sputnik Monroe. I like that guy's look. I didn't get to see him until later on, uh, the latter part of his career down in Memphis, but I remember that name from the time I was young. And then, of course, as I got older, I got to see footage and stuff. And I'll tell you, if you haven't seen it, you gotta you gotta watch it. There's a there's a DVD out there. It's called Memphis Heat. And man, if you're a wrestling fan at all, all you I've I've got a copy right here somewhere. I I, I won't say I burned copies. I know someone that did, and we distributed them. I I've given away three or four of those probably at least, saying you gotta watch this, man. It is it is so good. But what it does, it talks about Sputnik Monroe, how he was down in uh, in Memphis area, and and back when there was segregation and, and wrestling, the the black Black folk had to sit up in a balcony, and that was that was Sputnik's crowd. He was so over, he would go down on Beale Street and hang out at a bar, have a few beers at at the. Uh, this was back when you're talking segregation, as white only bars, you know, mm-hmm. no blacks admitted kind of thing. And if you watch that Memphis Heat, it really ties it all really good together. Plus, in Cornette's book, rags and pins, and and he 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 named that after a Sputnik Monroe. I, I can't reach it over my bookshelf right now, but anyway, I've got that book Cornette autograph for me. Rags, pins, and papers because I guess Sputnik, when a baby face would go out to sell their gimmick, he goes, there they go, selling those rags, pins, and, and uh, help me out there, whatever the title is. But anyway, nonetheless, Sputnik got arrested on a Bill Street for, for having drinks in a, in, in a black bar. And he had he he actually hired a black attorney when it's time to go to court, and I think he paid like a twenty five dollar fine or whatever. But he told the promoter he wasn't going to perform if he didn't open up the ringside seats and the the floor level seats uh, to the black folk. And and basically, I guess what he said was, and again, you you can fact check this. This is just me talking, you know, telling you. Just if we're sitting down having a drink right now, me, you, and Sputnik, you know, we're talking, Jeremy. Yep. And as apparently he said, you know, the promoter says something about, you know, oh, we can't have those black folks down here. And he goes, you might see them as black folks. He goes, but you know what? Their money is green, and I see green. I don't see color. That's my people, and I'm not going out unless you let them come down and sit with everyone else. And that, that opened the door. And you again, let someone else fact check it, whatever. You can you can look it up. But it opened the doors in, in a Memphis territory area for uh, the promoter saying, you know what, black folks can sit down, a ringside, general mission, wherever, whatever they can afford. It, it, it become desegregated, if you will. Mm-hmm. And man, I when you watch that on Memphis Heat, and it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, and again, it's been a couple of years uh, since I've read the book uh, uh, where Cornette puts that story in there too. It, it's just backed up. Go in there and look it up. Uh, maybe Tex will put something up on YouTube. I don't even know. But, man, it's a good story, and I love that story. It's just one of my personal favorites, man, that he broke down the color barriers in pro wrestling, if you will. Sputnik Monroe would often get himself arrested by hanging out at black cafes and bars. Believe it or not, it used to be illegal for a white man to drink with black people at traditionally black establishments. That's how segregated some parts of the South in the 60s still were. He had been arrested a few times. He would go to these cafes and bars and he'd hand out tickets to the wrestling shows. He would show up in his purple clothes with his diamond tip cane, you know, his <laughs> super flamboyant look. And wrestling was in, during his career, wrestling was in uh, about to hit one of its low points again right before, you know, the 60s started to peter out. So what you would see is that at these shows in Tennessee, 
the floor seats would be half empty, and that's where all the white patrons were. And then the balconies would be full of black customers, and they'd be turning away more black people at the door. And so Sputnik Monroe, I don't know if there's a particular night that they can point to, he just said, look, I'm not wrestling unless all, the, all of them can come in and sit wherever the hell they want. That was at Ellis Auditorium, though. Yes, Ellis I Auditorium. I drawn a blank when I was telling a story, yes. And, and that's why you're a professor. Yeah, it, <laughs> you get the facts right. <laughs> well, and I was going to say there was another one I had, but I can't remember who it was against. Basically, Sputnik Monroe and another guy set an attendance record that would not be broken until the Monday Night Wars era. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I almost want to say Whipper Watson, uh, but I'm, I may be wrong on that. Going from memory, there, there was I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong on that, but I know what you're talking about. Ah, damn it. I, I, I may be right with, right with the Whipper Watson. I could be wrong. But anyway, yes, you're correct. They had an attendance record. Yep. Man. It was Billy Wicks. That's who it was. Billy, Billy Wicks. Wicks. Thank you. Yeah. He, now, Billy Wicks did wrestle Whipple Rotson. I do know that. Yeah. But Billy Wicks, that's what it was. And they tell that story on Memphis Heat, by the way. So, yes, good, good. That's why you're the professor. Thank you. No, good abs- say. Absolutely. Good. No, I just wanted to, you know, get that in there. And also, you got to, you got to appreciate a guy who is such a good heel that, one sentence will set a crowd on fire, and he used to describe himself as being made of twisted steel and sex appeal. Yeah. That should be on a shirt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Dory Funk Jr. told a funny story about Butnick one time. Uh, I guess he showed up at the fair down there in Memphis, started an argument with a cowboy trying to get some business to, to come to the wrestling show. And I, I guess uh, he kept insulting him, insulting him. Uh, this big old cowboy, and uh, Sputnik apparently with his girl or, or what have you, you know, with his uh, bending steel and sex appeal and, and with his cane or what have you. But anyway, nonetheless, I guess, by the way, Sputnik Moreau was an Air Force veteran, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, apparently the guy was like, he, he wouldn't fight. He said, I know you, you're one of them professional wrestlers. You'll whip me and this and that. And the cowboy wouldn't fight, do the uh, argument with uh, Sputnik. But Sputnik hit his horse. And when he hit the horse, the cowboy went off and hit, hit Sputnik. And it, so that's what it took to provoke him was, you know, don't hit a cowboy's horse, you know. Oh, so no, yeah. That was one of those funny stories that uh, Dory Funk had written uh, for a magazine or something. Uh, uh, go with it for what it is. You know, it's always cool stuff. And it's pretty funny. You know, the cowboy wasn't going to fight the wrestler because he knew that wrestler might whip my ass. But you go and hit my horse, buddy, we got a problem. Yep. I don't care who you are. You know, don't go around hitting someone's horses. No, nope, you do not. That's like, It's like hitting somebody's dog, but more exactly. so. Exactly. Yeah. I knew you get onto that. Yes. I know yeah. you love your dog. Yep. Well, I remember my oh, dad. Okay. My dad had this fucking horse. He could shoot a rifle off of its back, but nobody else could ever get near that goddamn thing. It would try to bite and kick you. Anybody. <laughs> and I remember somebody called it like a wild, a wild or fucking crazy or something one time. My dad was ready to cross the room and hit the guy. And I'm like, Dad, <laughs> your fucking horse is insane. He's not wrong. <laughs> so no, you yeah, do not. He you, can call him No one else can. <laughs> yeah, you never. Yeah, you do not insult a man's horse. That is for There's sure. There's Nick Moroga, folks. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to jump down, Jeremy, because I've got some personal stories on a few others. Sure. Someone mentioned this, mentioned uh, Tim Woods earlier, Mr. Wrestling. I'm going to jump down to uh, Mr. Wrestling number two's wife, because I know we don't have a whole lot to say, uh, but this is Unsung Heroes. But we have a little bit to say about Olivia Walker, and she designed many of the robes that the Nature Boy Ric Flair woo, uh, wore to the ring. She designed those for years and years, and I guess one of them's on loan right now with the uh, Smithsonian. So I didn't know what you may or may not have on Olivia Walker, Mr. Wrestling number two's wife. And then we'll jump back up a little bit on some of these Unsung Heroes. 
Well, so, she is one of those people. I, I guess there was a time where she was the robe maker for pro wrestlers, period. And you'll notice to, to this day, guys like Bobby Roode are still wearing designs based basically on stuff she had made for wrestlers back in the classic era. I, nice. don't, I don't know a whole lot about her in particular. I think she passed away in 2000, if I remember correctly. I think you told me that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's a character I'm, I want to learn more about her, and I'm going, I'm going to dig in. And, you know, Bobby, we've been trying to figure out some stuff we could do for just for the YouTube page. I wonder if yeah. I could come up with enough material to do a 10 or 15 minute uh, mini documentary about her. Nice. And that's the thing. Back in the day, folks, you couldn't just go on a fucking internet and get your wrestling gear. You had K&H up in Columbus or Johnstown, Ohio, that you had to get your tights and your mask and stuff like that from. Then you had Bar, B&R boots out in Arkansas uh, uh, that you get your boots from. There was only a couple places. You just didn't go online and order shit. You had, and plus the business was so protected, and here, I'm sure she made, you know, the mask and, 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 and this and that, but she's making those designer robes with all the butterflies and the stars and all those different things for Ric Flair back in the day. Um, so, yeah, we need to find out a little bit more probably about Olivia Walker, Mr. Two's wife, but um, man, you know, the business back then, he didn't just, you know, dial up someone and say, uh, oh, yeah, I need this or, or need a robe and an order. He had one particular person, this is who he used because, and like I said, uh, in addition to uh, Bobby Root, I know someone else that told me the story that he had a couple robes that he got, and that was uh, Charles Robinson from WWE. Little Nate. Little Nate. He, he had a couple of nature, he had a couple robes made. Uh, he was such a huge fan back in the day. And if, uh, I don't know about Twitter, but I know at one point when I was on the other social medias, he did post pictures of him, Little Nate, in some robes that she had made. So, yeah, that'd be great. That might be a topic we do, uh, a little, you know, a little 15-minute documentary on Olivia Walker, man. Uh, we'll dig up some more information. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's one of, you know, that name got thrown out, and I tried to do some quick research. There's not a lot on her, so we're, we're going to have to do some yeah. digging, yeah. They have to. But, hey, that's what this podcast is for, man, old-school wrestling, uh, facts and different things. And, and we depend – we don't depend on but we like the interaction of, of people sending in suggestions, just like this, you know, uh, text sending in suggestion of, of unsung heroes. Uh, man, if you're sitting around one Sunday doing nothing or you're down at the bar on some Friday talking to your friends from old-school wrestling, you say, you know what would be a great topic? Boom, hit us up and let us know, man, because we'd love to hear from you. And uh, who, who knows? We, we're going to have to – Obviously, do some digging up, like you said, about Olivia Walker. And we may put something together just for the YouTube channel, just for that. Oh, man. Who you want to go to next? You tell me one, and I'll tell you what I know or don't know. Well, let's go back up the list. To, and, guys, we're not doing this in a numbered order this week. Sometimes right. it's just too hard to put numbers to things. Not only that, I'm tired of writing the same goddamn comment on YouTube every week. <laughs> So this week we're just taking a break off the numbers because if I have another person tell me, oh, that person should be this number or, or that number, yeah, you're probably right. But you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. The list is already done. It's too late for me to change it. So let's go on to, um, and I, I still love this because I'm going to say this guy's name and then you're going to come out with a different name as soon as I say it. But let's talk about Brian Hildebrand, also known as Mark Curtis. That's right. <laughs> and he got that name, honestly. I always call him Brian Hildebrand and then I say, oh, Mark, uh, Mark Curtis, because I know people don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah, Mark Curtis, one of those unsung heroes in professional wrestling, man. I love Brian to death. I, 
Brian was there. And so I'm calling him Brian because I knew him that way. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, Mark Curtis, he got that name, Mark, because as he said, I'm a fucking Mark. That's why I took that name. I'm a Mark. And Curtis off of King Curtis, uh, who done the great interviews down in Florida and all over the place, of course. Mark, Brian Hildebrand, Mark Curtis. I met him the very first. Uh, I met him years before I met him this time. Let's say that. I was on a show way up in West Virginia, right outside Pittsburgh, where, where um, West Virginia and, 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 and Pennsylvania meet. Little independent show way back in the day, and, and he was wrestling. He's probably a buck 35 at the most, maybe a buck 25. I don't know. what He, he went as a psycho. He had on, like, hospital gown, uh, greens or whatever, scrubs. That's what I'm trying to say. Hell, there was uh, several guys, young Shane Douglas was on it. I was on it. Just a lot of independent guys. When I say a lot, probably 10 guys on a small show in the middle of nowhere. West Virginia, just try to get in the fucking wrestling business, if you will. Brian could work. Brian was a hell of a little wrestler. He, when I first met him, he had just finished up with, when I was starting with, Bobby Fulton. I was just telling a couple guys a few weeks ago about this. Uh, he was the Ninja Turtle for Bobby Fulton shows. And uh, the night that I came in, he had already went to full-time for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Brian's dad drove the, the, the Ninja uniform from Pennsylvania over to a show that I was doing for Bobby in Ohio. So stick with me here. When I went to Smoky Mountain for my tryout a few weeks later, Mark Curtis, one of the first people I've met, and we used to always do about 100 Hindu squats together. He said, I heard you survived Malenko's training, man. And we become friends instantly. And sometimes I'd go running. Depending on the building, I'd run the steps. or You know, I was doing a lot of conditioning back then. Brian would be right there with me, man. And we would get in a ring sometimes and work out stuff. I remember trying to short arm scissors with him and picking him up and doing things like that and doing spots with him. He could actually work, but you know what? He wasn't ever really known as the good worker that he was because he was such a good referee. And, and, and we, we've done our referee spots and, and we've done our top 10 on that. And, and he came in too because of, of, he, he was such a fan of, uh, Tommy Young. You know, he, everyone that, that's who got it on our list was we put him at number one, if I recall correctly. But Brian does so many things. He worked a full time job selling shoes when he worked for Smoky Mountain. You know, he got on, he, he was putting flyers up. He would sell tickets. Eventually he sold the, he was in charge of fucking merchandise in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He does so many things that probably didn't get mentioned, let alone being, you know, a hell of a good worker, just not big enough to work at that time. I mean, I think nowadays he could easily with, with the talent that's out there. But man, back in the day, Mark could work or Brian. And, and also he's very unsung because, um, you know, he, he just known as a referee in Smoky Mountain Wrestling or when he went to WCW, he, he was just such a good referee. There wasn't anything he could or couldn't do outside of ring or inside of ring, it seems like, because he, he did everything from selling tickets to shining your fucking shoes to, to, you know, making sure your match was on time on TV. It's time to go home. You know, I can't say enough good things about Brian Hildebrand. Uh, been a great worker and a great asset behind the curtain, but only for being seen as a referee on TV. So I, I'm going to reference something. I'm hoping you have a little insight or remember hearing something about this, but apparently there was a night, uh, I believe it was Dean Malenko and Psychosis were wrestling, and a fan jumped the fence and came yep. into the ring, and he got kicked in the face, and then uh, Brian put him in a guillotine choke and held him down until security got there. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I'm familiar with what you're talking about. That is correct. <laughs> and, yeah. I, you know, I guess Bobby Heenan, I don't really remember this. I guess Bobby Heenan, his remark was, hey, that guy just got taken down by the smallest ref in the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping you'd throw that in there. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I do recall it. Yes, 
Yeah, and yeah. he was a good man. Brown was good man. I'm really, yeah. Well, he was a great just, he was a great ref because he was one of those guys who would be jumping over the backs of guys, checking shoulders, seeing if the guy's giving up. I mean, he he was a great referee to watch. Oh yeah, and, he was one of them guys. He wore knee pads. He he wore the knee pads mm-hmm. in the ring underneath his uh, referee's gimmick, and he wore that bow tie. I love that outfit he wore with the uh, the, the shirt and the bow tie. Look, yeah. just so classic. I think more than anybody else I can think of off the top of my head, you knew exactly what his calls were because he like I mean you know you talk about being the anti mime this guy's <laughs> mime action in the rain trying to communicate no it was just a two count no yeah. he didn't oh, give yeah. up you sitting in the back row you knew what he was saying yes he knew the pantomime yep. he knew that if you bought a ticket to the very very top of that arena or if you was in a front row he knew how to get his point across whether you're watching on a TV camera or right there, and that's just a two count, folks. And I'll tell you, he's the only referee I've ever been in a ring with that I got so good with just communication without talking at nonverbal communication that no matter who was on top of me, one, two, and I mean, it would go to where I knew that hand was just inches from the mat for that three count. I'm talking two and three quarters, and I knew if I fucked up and didn't kick out, he's going to count me, because he better damn sure count me if I don't kick out, mm-hmm. and I'll kick out, man. And we just had that deep connection, and he loved my arm drags. I love that he put over. He said, man, you got one of the prettiest arm drags. He said, you sink it in so deep, Bobby. He said, it reminds me of Ricky Steamboat. And what kind of fucking compliment is that? You know, when you meet someone and you're a few months into your run and they tell you, you know, in the back when you're doing Hindu squats with them or you're jogging with them or just bullshit about the business because he loved the business. He's a mark, you know, like me. Yep. We're all marks. That's why I told someone yesterday. We're all, they want to take the picture with me. And so I said, what are you, a fucking mark to the other guy? And it's just a young guy wanting to take a picture of Bobby Blaze. Well, I'm honored that anyone even fucking wants to take a picture of me. That's fine. But I said, you know what? We're all marks. You know, let, let the guy have a picture. And I and I blew it off so the guy didn't feel bad, you know, because I, I wasn't trying to make anyone feel bad. Yeah. I, I, I honored the, the young guy wanted a picture with me because uh, I was lending some advice or whatever. But back to the story, when, when Mark, you know, when, when, when he told me, he said, Bobby, you got one of the most beautiful. When you sink that arm drag in, it reminds me of Ricky Steamboat. I'm like, man, I, I, I know. You know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, it makes you feel good, man. But, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Brian Hildebrand. Uh, professionally known as, also known as, what do you want to say, uh, Mark Curtis, man. Yep, Calabunga, oh, really? Calabunga dude. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right on, man, right on. Oh, man, where do you want to go to next, Jim? I know we got a few more minutes left. We uh, can bring up a few people. You know where I want to go. You know where I want to go. Tell me where. I want to go to Bad Street in Atlanta. That's where I want to oh, go. Oh, damn, Bad Street. USA. <laughs> well, I know one person that lives down there, and he's unsung of the of the Freebirds, man. The Freebirds. You don't want to go down that street because you know you got Michael PSA and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. But you know who's unsung, man? The fucking workhorse of that group. Mm-hmm. Take it a big bump, buddy, Jack Roberts. And I, I don't know where they got that buddy Jack at. Jack, I just I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine something to do with a little uh, whiskey on the side there. But buddy Jack Roberts, man, of the Freebirds. Uh, man, how unsung was he? Because he was a hell of a talent. Oh yeah, no, he was he was great. But um, you know, like 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 the like my memory holds, <laughs> he bore the brunt of everything that fucking group did. Yeah, you know, he hey hey, the the Freebirds, you know, Ter- Terry and Michael are being a bunch of assholes. So let's kick Money Jack's ass. 
And the thing was, this is the the and a professor may come in and make the save, but I, from my understanding, the thing was they brought Buddy Jack in because he's already a seasoned veteran, and they're thinking, you know what, these two young guys, uh, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy, they're out here drinking this Jack Daniel whiskey. They're getting wilder than motherfuckers. They're crazy, raising all kinds of hell. Let's bring this little bit older guy in, this seasoned veteran that may keep an eye on them, tone them down just a little bit. And, and 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 not that they ever missed a show or showed up messed up or anything, but, but let's just calm them down a little bit outside the ring with this wild, uh, free bird lifestyle, if you will, and, 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 and let's keep them grounded. Well, when Buddy Jack arrived, I guess he just started uh, fucking knocking the bottom out of that whiskey bottle and said, hey, man, <laughs> I'm right there with you, and that's the free bird lifestyle. We even got a fucking free bird rule here that we've invoked before. Yep. And, and I guess, you know, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't know who the promoter was that said, you know what, let's bring this guy in to maybe tone these guys or, or hold them down just a little bit on their outside lifestyle. But but uh, Buddy Jack was not the right person to do it because he's like, you know what, you got a whiskey, give me a shot too. And he's out there leading the troops going, yep, I'm a free bird. And, and it didn't take too long for uh, probably after a shot or two for uh, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy to look at each other and go, hey, he's a fucking free bird. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, well, no, he, Jack. Yeah, you know, somebody needed to get their head shaved. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Come Be on in jokes. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, that's, um. I mean, he played the butt monkey role really bad. It's just, you know, Hayes and Hayes and Gordy go and fuck something up, and then, like, poor old buddy Jack got his ass beat for it. Yeah. Hey, oh, man. Hey. Well, you want to do one or two more? Let's, um. you know, I do. I'm going to cover the next one, because this is a guy that gets yeah. brought up a lot, Uh, but I don't know if a casual fan or a younger fan would even really know enough about this guy, and I, I kind of feel like we should talk about him more. So let's talk about uh, George South. Oh, man, I was hoping you bring up George South. George South is one of my favorite people. Uh, George is a good guy, and George, if you're listening, I love you, man. And I and I tell George that. And he's actually sending a couple videos that Tex had sent to us from the shows. Uh, I saw uh, George a couple of years ago, you know, WrestleCade. George is one of these great guys in the business. He put people over for years down at Crockett Promotion. The only job that, that George ever had was, wasn't a job, as he said. He's a professional wrestler. He'd be out there mowing grass at the Crockett uh uh, offices without a shirt on. You know, he's out there driving from town to town, putting every star on a fucking show over. And I know George wouldn't like me using that word fucking because George don't cuss. George is a very classy man, and I have a lot of respect for George. But George is to the point now where not only did he put over all the legendary stars back in the day, I mean, Rick Flair would walk in on TV, done town after town after town, knowing he has to be, you know, going on TV at, at 10 o'clock in the morning and say, right there, I want George South. You know, George South driving other stars from town to town and, and making people look good to where he's now training a lot of the stars' children. I mean, he had a big hand in, I guess, Tessa's training. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, several other people, man, that he's training, the younger talent. He's trained a lot of people. I see out there these independent shows now. George has – I can't say enough good things about George South, man. Other than if, if, Please tell George South I love him. He's a good dude, man. And I'm glad that you brought his name up because he deserves to be on this unsung heroes list, man. I, I just can't – 
I'm going to get too personal because I can't say too much more other than all the good stuff about George South. But yeah, he's, he's, tell us about it. You know, go, you know. Well, it just there's just done. a couple things I want to hit about it because, yeah. you know, he's one of those guys. He, he's like the wrestler's wrestler. You know, Ric Flair, his favorite guy to wrestle against was George South, apparently. Oh, yeah. George sure. South, like you said, George South, I guess, never met a star he didn't put over. I mean, he <laughs> he did his job, you know. Yeah. He's good to watch in the ring. He, he More importantly, he he trained Tess Blanchard. You know? I know you'd pop on that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> so. But he's one of those guys that he's one of those guys that I think more people need to know about, you know? Yeah. And see he worked for NWA back today for Crockett's. You know who else comes to mind just now? We'll throw us out there, not, and we'll come back to this. Maybe it's something we look at on down uh, Rocky King was another guy. He used to drive the Rock and Roll Express round. Used to put people over back in the day uh, for Crockett back there along with George. And uh, I remember George telling the story about him and Rocky being out in, in Kansas City, nearly starving to death, and Ricky and Robert coming in and doing like a two-week run and, and helping him out, man, when they were struggling back in the business, working the territories, you know, because Ricky and Robert were so fucking over, but they're such good dudes, you know. Uh, I remember George and, and, and uh, Rocky both tell me that same story on different occasions. But uh, back to George, um, just just one of those guys that he worked for when it went from NWA to to Turner buying it out that he's showing up down there at Turner Sports every uh, whatever they shot their TV at CNN the, the towers and the Peachtree Center or what have you uh, uh, to where he stayed there. Then in I think around ninety could be ninety one probably about ninety two or so uh, he he worked in WWF back in the day for a couple of years there just you know doing TV after TV after TV bringing guys in with them to do TVs with them. I want to say it's probably uh, middle of 95, maybe about this time of year, 95, after I had my run at Smoky Mountain. Uh, Jimmy Cornette brought him in a couple of times and said, you know, we're going, I know he, I, he had worked for Smoky before, Smoky Mountain rather, before I was there, but he'd come in a couple weekends for like a three-day gig, and uh, Bobby, I got you with George next weekend. I'm like, you know, I see the booking sheet or Jimmy would tell me. You go to George South in the locker room, shake his hand, man, and he's a man's man. Like, what a great guy to work with because you know when you go out there, no matter what you do, he's going to be there for you. You know when it's a competitive match, I love that because I don't care uh, who's going to win, who's going to lose, or if it's going to be a draw. When you're in a ring and that's your deal is you get to perform and, and wrestle, and I won't use that E word for the people, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy like South, and you know you got him the next three days. If you look at the booking sheet, and you're like, oh, I've got him the 10th, 11th, 12th, and then again at the end of the month, we're going to be down in Carolina and, and, and maybe down in uh, Georgia or whatever for that three day run. And you got, oh, I've got him next month, uh, you know, 28th, 29th, 30th. I'm with George. Those three days, it's like a night off because you know you can go in there and work your ass off, but also you know you can work a match and have a good match that it's going to be competitive. It's going to be like, who's going to win this match? You don't know. Is it going to be George South or Bobby Blaze or whoever? But, you know, uh, it was such an honor to share the ring with a guy like that. So, I, you know, to be on that level that when Ric Flair walks in and says, I want George South right there for my TV match, and he makes it look like it's going to be competitive because at any minute George South can beat the Nature Boy Ric Flair on TV, but then at the last minute, boom, pin or the figure four or what have you. Same thing. I would have such good matches. I probably worked with George maybe six, eight times while I was there, and um, good matches, competitive. And then at the end, that's that. And you know, can't again. George just a good dude. George South deserves to be on this list. So yep, no, that's that's anyway. one of the reasons I want to make sure we did get around to him. Yeah. Well, get him in too. We got just a few minutes. I'm going to ask yeah. you about Howard Finkel real quick. 
<laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. I've back in the day, you and I both have watched the WWE product and everyone knows who Howard Finkel is and he's a great, great ring announcer mm-hmm. and he's out there probably the most well known, probably him and uh, Lillian Garcia, I guess. But but Howard is is just in there. I think he Correct me on this because you're a professor. I think he may be the longest uh, running WWE employee for, for only going for years. He was like one of the longest employees that's ever been at that company since way back when. He was like the third employee, right? Besides third? Vince okay. and Linda, Vince, Linda, and him, right? That's who yeah, started think, that company. Uh, yes, if I'm not mistaken. World famous ring announcer, of course. Mm-hmm. All the stuff he's probably done beside behind the scenes, and, and you heard all the inside jokes about him and this and that. People talk about him. But he, he seems to me, he, he got, I guess he gets humiliated on TV just to amuse Vince. You know, it's always one of those things where the Finkel this, the Finkel that. I've heard a lot of stories I'm not going to get real personal with, so I'm just going to say it's inside stuff that I'm not leaving anything to imagination, but that guy's been around for so long man how how can you not have someone say let's pull a rib on this guy you know if you're oh, in the yeah. business you're gonna put on you and i guess all those ribs were because uh vince wanted to be entertained i don't know that because i'm not there i'm just saying or i wasn't there i'm saying you've been there that long you're there for a reason you must be damn good at what you do to stay there that many years other than just getting in the ring and announcing uh, the professor Jeremy Vilmer or the anti-mind Bobby Blaze or, or whoever he's announcing, he has to have done so much more behind the scenes to maintain that job. I imagine he has probably sold tickets, set up the ring, swept the ring, probably washed the canvas, probably uh, uh, tightened turnbuckles in between matches, probably drove a ring truck. Uh, I can't imagine him not doing, there's probably not one job he hasn't done in that WWE. I, I don't know of any. Do you? Can you um, think of one? No, and you know what, he's one of those guys, you know, you know, I used to be a plumber when I was young, and one of my foremen, one of the first things he ever said to me was like, when it's time to pick up a shovel, you pick up a shovel. When it's time to take a break, you take a break. And Finkel is one of those guys, you got to push a broom, he's going to push a fucking broom. Yeah. You got to sell concessions, he'll go sell concessions. I would also say that he is probably one of the top three most recognizable voices in pro wrestling. Yeah. I would say him, Mean Gene, and for me, Tony Schiavone have the three most distinct voices in wrestling. You can hear them, you know exactly who you're hearing right when you hear them. Nice, nice. Well, i tell you what, man. I know we've got other unsung heroes out there. You can send in to the Bell to Bell podcast, the Bell, Bell to Bell Blaze podcast on Twitter. Hit us up at BBBB. Send us in your top list or of who you think are unsung heroes because I know we've left off some people. There's a, there's a lot more just on our list that we used that we could have put on this list. Uh, but, you know, hit us up. Let us know as fans of uh, professional wrestling. And, and, Jeremy, before we get off here, I'm just going to say uh, thank you. It's good to be back. I know where I have next week's topic. I'm going to let you close us out with that if you don't care. I just want to say it's good to be back, and I think we had another good list. And we, we had a lot of good fun. And, and it, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed the Dan Severn interview. If you haven't, go back and listen to it, fans. And uh, for me, I'm Bobby, the end time I'm blazed, but I am going to shut up and be a mime while Jeremy, the professor of Elmore, takes us out of this podcast. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. We will be back next week. And next week, we're going to be talking about the most over T-shirts from wrestling. That is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I cannot wait for us to get onto that topic because – 
I got a I got a lot of shit I want to talk about in this one. Until then, everybody, thank you for listening. For Bobby Blaze, myself, Professor Jeremy Vollmer, and the Bell to Bell Futon. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>